with you. We thank you, Lord, for this time that you have set aside for us to meet with you so that every need here can be met. And we declare that it is met because you never meet with us, that you leave us wanting or you leave us empty. So we thank you, Lord, for filling us up today, blessing us, healing us, helping us. Set us in our place in your in your kingdom, Father, for your ministry of believers to go lay hands on the sick and that to see them recover. So we thank you, Lord, that you have many, many uh, means for for healing and for saving. And we just want to open our hearts to learn of you. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today about the fact that faith does not know how to give up. Amen. Amen. Your faith is an overcoming force. And and we need to know that. It's a uh, really it's a violent force to be honest with you. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers or allows violence and the violent take what they need by force. And that does not mean that you're taking anything forcefully from God. Why? Because he's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But the violence is against the kingdom of darkness that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So when we understand that we need to have a violent force to outdo the violent force that assaults us, then we can understand how God can say that. So in Proverbs 4, 20 uh, through 22, the Bible says, My son, attend to my words. In other words, pay attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all of our flesh. The word, the, the word medicine really means that there is a medicine that is guaranteed to heal all flesh. Anything that's wrong with your physical body, the word of God is your guaranteed healing. Why? Because it's settled. It, it, the word of God is the final word in every situation if you will apply it in that way. And so God wants us to know that whatever we need can be found in his word. It, if it's believed and if it's stood upon and it, it withstands the pressures that come against it, then you will receive whatever it is that you need from God. Don't let uh, time be a factor. Don't let the devil wear you out with the threat of time or running out of time or how much time it's taking, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you if it's time spent in the word, it is time well spent. Amen. Because it, it always pays you back much more than you invest. So when we think about how God's word operates, uh, we need to study and understand how God's word is able to heal us. How is it possible that you can listen and you can verbalize the word and you can repeat the word and then it turns into medicine in your body? Amen. And that's one of the miracles of God's word. You know, the Bible talks about when in the parable about the seed, it says the seed is planted and it springs up. We know not how. 
So we will never know how this thing happens, but we know it happens. Amen. There's so many things that we know will happen, uh, but but uh, you don't know how it happens. Amen. And so when we think about it, it's not too much of a mystery that we don't understand uh, line by line and item by item exactly how the word of God manifests. And that's part of our faith. You have to have faith to believe that because God said it will happen, it will happen. That's, that means that's faith that takes him at his word. So we're thankful for the word of faith. I was sharing with Pastor Shirley that when the Lord spoke to me about the body, the human body, and, and you know that there are certain things that happen to the human body that it's, you don't have to go to the doctor for, you know, it's self-repairing. Like if you cut yourself, if, it, you know, unless you panic and, and look at it and say, I gotta go to the doctor, but you know, just a normal cut. You can close that skin up and put a band-aid on it and it will be healed. So there's healing seed already in our bodies. There's life seed in our bodies. What happens is disease, in disease, is that the enemy comes in and he plants a death seed to try and choke off. Huh? Now unless there's something wrong with your normal healing process, every cut, every wound always gets healed. So you have some faith for healing already in you. You see how God helps that? He doesn't let you bleed to death by a, a, you know, a paper cut or something like that. So there's already a resident faith in all of us that we can be healed. So there's hope for healing inside of every human being. Now you'll find a rare person like some, some people that have blood clotting disorders or, or sickle cell disease where the uh, blood cells are, are, are poorly shaped and they don't circulate the way they're supposed to, et cetera, et cetera. But those cases are rare. For the most part, everybody has some faith for healing already within them. The same thing when you have aches and pains. You know they go away. At some point, the only thing that happens is little by little, the devil will steal that faith away from you. Like as you get older, not talking about nobody I know, but I get up a lot slower. You understand what I'm saying? I don't bounce up like I used to. I say, if you won't bounce, you're going to have to go someplace else. I, but you know what I'm saying? It, it's, and this is because now my mind is being forced to accept something other than. Now it's once a thin slip of a girl and very agile. And <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But yeah, come on, y'all, the agile. So I, I do more. Um, I do more with my my brain. <laughs> you know, I got a, I got an excuse for it, right? But but the thing of it is, there are certain things that will attack our natural faith they will attack our ability to believe god in spite of to hope against hope you understand what i'm saying and so if and if we want that back you can get that back now don't think i can't bounce no more y'all just because i ain't been doing it 
But, but you know, the, the effort sometimes it takes in faith is like, well, let me use that faith for something else. You know what I'm saying? But I'm working on it. Amen. You never give up on what God puts in your heart to use your faith for. And I know that if I start to speak the word over my body more diligently and more intently, the bounce is back. Okay. So I'll let y'all know when that day comes, but the day will come when the girl's bounce is back. So turn to Luke chapter 5. I thought we'd talk about this story. Always refer to Jesus when you want to learn about healing. Amen. There's so many stories of healing in the Bible. And we're going to talk about the man carried by four people or the man born of four. Amen. Thank you so much. I wish I could have seen how we're buying fabric at Walmart, but we'll save that treat for another day. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Nola. Praise God. So uh, it says here, start in verse 17. Um, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. I'm in the wrong book. Luke 5, verse 17. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. God always has a remedy. Always has a cure. Starting in verse 17. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea, Jerusalem, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now think about this. The power of the word. That's what I want to, I want you to think about. And in creating an atmosphere for healing. We all know that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all these people that were packed up in the the nice seats. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, they'll pack up in the nice seats in the place. And, and, uh, you know, we used to do buses for Benny Hinn. Remember the days? And try as we might, I don't care how early you got up, how many buses, you know, they give preference to buses. They say, if you have buses, you, this is your line, this is the line for everybody else, and we'd be going in the bus line. But you were still up in the nosebleed section. Then you look down on the floor and who's down there all them up. I said, look, they ain't even saved. I know him from, you know what I'm saying. They just like the uppermost seats. Now there are people like that. Somehow they manage to pay the price that we can't quite, you know, and, and what we're trying to do is get people their need to be healed. You know, we're sweating and straining and trying to fill the bus up because it's too expensive to go if you don't fill up every seat. You remember the days. And and get to get people who were in need of healing. And so you're sweating and straining trying to get people in there who really need healing. And it's like, well, <laughs> what am I straining for? You know, we get here and you're you're back in the... The back with the people who just come to, to, cause they want to say they went to Benny Hinn. I mean, so you got your basic mixed multitude, which you all know happens all the time. Whenever God's power shows up, there's all kind of people there. And we know the Pharisees were there not for nothing but to find something wrong with what Jesus was doing. 
But still, in spite of all that, the presence of God is there to heal. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see the mercy of God that, that is so available to us to make sure our needs are met. So you can't say, well, the, the meeting was flat because there were so many uh, critics there. There's so much unbelief in it. God will never let unbelief win out if that preacher is confident enough to go ahead and preach the word anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And so if you'll just go through and preach the word, you'll face this many times. Have y'all ever been to uh, um, eight so-and-so's room where everybody got called because she about on her way out, she's sick again? And you go to the hospital to visit Annie. You haven't seen her in so long. And you got your Bible and you say, oh, God, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go pray for her and, and because she wants to be healed. And you get in there and all the mourners are there already. You got me? All the relatives that have come for the funeral, she ain't even dead yet. So you got that death desire. And, and that that fatigue that they get, and they keep pushing her and checking on her. She flies, <laughs> get off of me! You know I'm not ready yet. And and you want to pray, but you don't want to pray because you're not confident to do what Jesus did and make them all get out the room. So I can pray for Amy, huh? But you will have to do it. At some point, you will have to do it, especially if you know God sent you there to get that person up out of that bed. And so we have to contend with this unbelief that seems to be discouraging to us. You know how you can feel like somebody sucked all the air out of the room, you know, with their unbelief. Now, there were times Jesus could not heal anybody because the unbelief was so strong. But in this case, in spite of every single obstacle that's there in that atmosphere, there's still faith for healing in that atmosphere. Huh? Why? Because Jesus won't quit. He's not a quitter. His faith knows how not to give up, even with all the critics and the, the backbiters sitting up there and judges. So this is a mixed crowd. The Pharisees and the experts in the Jewish law were all gathered in this place. There was somehow faith to be healed in this place. So this meeting follows a familiar pattern that Jesus set. He teached, preached, and healed. So whenever he had a meeting, that's and that's what we do. We teach, preach, and heal. Now, there are some situations where people will come to the altar with minor ailments and and just the anointing will take care of it and they can be healed without a lot of preaching and teaching and so forth. But if that doesn't work, you still have that where you can bring that teaching to them or just one-on-one counsel with a person at the altar as the Holy Spirit leads. But that word has to be put in them so that the healing will follow. Amen. And so he teached, preached, and healed. The power of God shows up in response to the preached word. So if that preacher is not a, a person that that is confident that God will heal people when they preach, it won't happen. You got me? There must be somebody believing. So the preacher has to have faith for their own words to come to pass 
Amen. That's why you study healing. That's why you're here. So that when you go out anointed and God tells you to go pray for somebody, you know that God will confirm the word that you give them with that person's healing. Amen. That person will get healed. And so we're believing God all the time for these things. But there are many, many people that don't think that's necessary. So if they don't think it's it's necessary and, and they don't believe that God will use them in healing, it just won't happen. You'll seldom see people who don't believe for healing to preach on it. And I mean, I'm talking about people who have thousands of people in their meetings. You got me? It's just a word explosion or something like that. Because it's so, you know, preachers are good at camouflaging stuff sometimes. You know, they'll, they'll have great swelling words and you look out and nobody got touched, nobody got healed, nobody got anything. They got all these believers sitting out there, but they never touch over into the place. No, I think it's sometimes people don't like to lose control because in order to believe God, you have to let go of control over this whole situation and just allow God to come in and do what he wants to do. And so, so often we think, that that we have to make sure everything's programmed just right and it looks just right and it flows just right. But if you keep doing that, God doesn't have an opportunity to get in to do anything to help anybody. And so it's a good thing if you can allow God to orchestrate these things. But the preacher has to be anointed by God to heal people. Must be. You don't assume an anointing. It's conferred upon you. Amen. It, it just doesn't fall on everybody. And so God would, he know, and God knows who, who's anointed. So he, the anointing always draws the people. Amen. Whether their intentions are good or bad, the anointing is what causes that response in the heart of people. And so Jesus teached, preached, and healed. The power of God shows up in response to the preacher's word. Whenever Jesus preached, the healing anointing showed up, especially if they were people there who believed. And so having believers receptive to the word increases the anointing as well. Now there are times when God will move sovereignly and he will allow an atmosphere to be created and then he'll start to speak to the minister in that atmosphere. Like there are some things that, that we haven't experienced in God yet, but you see in the Bible that they happen. And so as we believe God to increase the anointing, increase the power, then he begins to speak to us and tell us what he wants to do in that atmosphere. And so Jesus knew that there was a, the power of God was there to be healed, for people to be healed. And so, and that's something every minister must know. You got to know what that atmosphere is calling for. You need to know what's possible in that atmosphere. And so God will teach you as a minister and as a believer. Like most of you know, when, when the prophetic anointing, when the power of prophecy is in the atmosphere, you know, you can just tell. And so uh, it's just that way. You learn how to interpret 
what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so in spite of all the critics and all the riffraff and all the people who were packed around, there was faith to be healed and there was the power of God to be healed in that atmosphere. Verse 18, and behold, men brought in a man which was taken with a palsy. So this is a, 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 uh, either paralytic or spastic disease, or he might have been bedridden, and this man was. And they sought means to bring him in and lay him at the feet of Jesus. Now, there is a, a faith that will get you God's attention, but it doesn't get you all the way in the door of your healing. Got me? So that's really what this story is about. It's about faith that starts out desiring to be healed and the hindrances that come to keep you from receiving it. Our major problem is not lack of faith, not doing this right, not doing this enough, but understanding when we've hit a hindrance and how to overcome it and in looking for a reason why it hasn't happened yet. See, if we can get out of that, my, and everybody does it. I mean, it's, it's a common problem with, with people receiving their healing. That if it doesn't come like you see in the Bible, or it doesn't come right away, or it doesn't come with what you're doing, uh, you'll, you'll start to wonder, and what the wrong thing to do, let me tell you what the human mind does. It says, what am I doing wrong? Well, you're not doing anything wrong. Faith is never wrong. If you're still expecting, that's right. That's not wrong. But see, what the enemy does is he puts a judgment in there. Like right and wrong is judgmental. Because if you judge yourself wrong, how do you ever get right? Well, the devil won't tell you that. Now, he'll tell you wrong all day long. But if that voice can't tell you what to do to do it right, then that's not God. You got me? Usually, God won't say anything. And then finally, you'll realize, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep believing. I'm not going to let go of my faith. See, your, your spirit man wakes up and grabs on to the fact, now wait a minute, my faith is slipping. That's what the problem is. So I'm going to stop this wondering nonsense. Amen. And I'm going to stop this getting upset and wishing and being impatient stuff. And I'm going to just continue to believe God. And so that's what this young man did. See, when these stories we see of Jesus, and I'm not saying these, these, Miracles don't happen instantly. Because you can see right there, there it did. But this young man might have been, how long has he been paralyzed? He'd been wanting to be, be healed for many years. And so faith, once it's real and it's, and it's faith in God, it does not know how to give up. See, you can't talk yourself out of believing. Now, you might get mad and, and frustrated and angry and all that kind of tired of waiting. How many times we've we been tired? Always. And, and, and we still hang on. Huh? <laughs> all you married people say, hallelujah. Amen. 
<laughs> you will be tired many times, but you still hang on. You got a vow inside of you. Amen. You still hang on to that brother. Where is he? I don't know, but I'm believing God. Amen. 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 So, so there's this young man is being brought in and there's four men there holding on each to the ends of his cot. Now that young man has faith in him to be healed or he wouldn't be there. A paralyzed man does not casually come by a healing service just to get his finances fixed. Although it's happened to me. I've had people come up to me and with noticeable ailments, but I'm smart enough to say, well, what can I pray for you for? Well, I just need my finances changed. <laughs> I said, what about that leg and that crutch you got? You never think that might be a key to your finances getting straight? You straighten up and walk right, you be full of money, but, but we won't go there. Amen. I mean, you gotta deal with what you can deal with. Yeah, don't ever be ashamed of what the devil's doing to you. You know, people can start out in faith and by the time they hit the altar, they change their mind. <laughs> Amen. Don't let him steal it from you. So this young man has four men on each corner of this mat that he's lying on. And I believe they represent Four things that his faith needs to help it to get him to where he can be healed. See, as powerful as faith is, it needs helpers. James says faith without works is dead. So your faith is revived by getting up and acting like you got it before you get it. You ever just be sitting around and you get the idea to do something and and then later on you start to feel more energetic, you start to feel more encouraged, you see, your faith gets kick-started by the thing that you do. It should happen to you every morning you wake up. Everybody starts out a little slow. Huh? Then you look at the clock and realize you're going to get docked or fired if you don't get a fire up under you. It's amazing how we come back to life quickly when we need to. Huh? So your faith gets jump started all the time. You have to have faith to believe to have a good day. Faith to believe to do your job. Faith to believe to, to get to work in one piece. All that kind of stuff. So your faith gets jump started from you putting your feet on the floor. Huh? My husband would get so frustrated with me. Uh, I'd put, I said, okay, I'm, I'm getting up and put a toe out from under the cover. I never put my foot on the floor. Cause I knew if I did, that meant get up. You know what I'm saying? Isn't <laughs> that wasn't comfortable at all? You know, you want to inch your way out of the bed. But but it is that way. Sometimes we fight our faith. Because we know if we do certain things. Huh? I remember when I was new in the things of God. I, I, there was a Bible study 
that I would go to. And God really answered a lot of prayers. He taught me a lot in that that group of Bible study people. But every now and then I get that old, I mean, God healed me of depression, you know. And every now and then that thing would try to creep back up on me. And I wouldn't want to go to Bible study. Huh? Now, let me tell you why. I, I would sit there and look at myself and think about, well, when I get there, they're going to be all full of joy and dancing around, jumping around. I ain't feeling like that today. Now, how crazy can that be? That's a place where you can go and your spirit can be revived and you can get rid of your problems and all that junk hanging off of you. And you mad because they ain't going to let you sit in a corner and look evil all morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can get angry at your own faith. Because you know when you get there, your faith is going to take over. You're going to get to jumping and shouting with everybody else. But I don't want to do that today, God. You know what I'm saying? And so we we can be defeating toward ourselves sometimes. If we don't understand what strengthens our faith, what hinders it, what helps it, what doesn't help it. So these young men were were friends of his, no doubt. You know, is and they had gotten him to the meeting. And I was thinking about how sometimes when you have to pursue your health and your healing, some of the changes you might have to go through. But you can pick the wrong help sometimes to get you there. See, the fact that he was successful means that he picked the right help to get him there. But oftentimes people don't do that. I was thinking about the times where we did have to go to Benny Hinn meetings, you know, because God had us there for, for his purpose, purpose of learning, understanding the anointing. If somebody's got the goods, you follow them. You understand what I'm saying? Because you want the real thing from God. And so I can remember, you know, if you if you don't pray about every single thing, you'll never get up to the crowded door. There are so many obstacles to God's kingdom manifesting. You know, I can remember people who would say they'll call at the last minute and cancel. Well, what's wrong? Well, my ride won't show up. Or my cousin was supposed to go with me and she don't want to go. I said, well, you need to be healed. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, you can come by. Well, no, that's okay. I wanted my cousin to come with me. You understand what I'm saying? So we can put up barriers ourselves. It'd be nice if God could save you and cousin at the same time. But sometimes when he calls you, you go. You understand what I'm saying? When he tells you, listen, Abraham followed God all along. God called Abraham alone. He didn't call a bunch of people with him. Uh Now, is God just doing that to be mean? No, he's not. He's a good God. But God knows that there are helps and there are distractions. Huh? You get in the wrong, right car with the wrong people and you'll wind up turning around and 
I've seen it happen. That's why we've always had group transportation to get to these meetings. Because I know how important it is for us to keep our watch and for us to pray. And so I just always eliminated all the the glitches, things that can go wrong in a good system with people who have are sincere, but they have no idea what they're up against if they're trying to get something from God. See? You got the world of flesh and the devil against you when you're trying to enter into God's kingdom. That's why sometimes it takes so long. So we get here this here this man is and, and he's got to pick people who have as much faith as he does. And how are you going to find that with a bunch of religious people around? Huh? Now listen, I've been there. I've been involved with people and I thought, oh, the Lord told me to come here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, you know, you give them something to do. I said, oh, Shanae didn't showed up now. now. We're never getting nothing done with that queen on the throne. You understand what I'm saying? You just, what happened to God sent me? And you gonna do this and you know, well, the last place I was, I was the armor bearer. Uh, you don't even want to carry your own purse. Listen, armor is heavy. <laughs> hit, hit. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, huh? And all y'all queens on Facebook, stop putting that stuff up there. <laughs> that's, that's bad advertising. That's fake advertising. Where was I? All right. <laughs> Praise God. So he was able to, by God's design, find four friends who were faithful and able to get him through to his deliverance. And, and faith needs helpers. Faith needs friends. In Second Peter 1, I think it is. Where is that scripture? Yeah, Second Peter 1. It talks about some things that we are to add to our faith. Amen. So faith is not everything. I mean, it is, it's the main thing. But people who try to do what they do on raw faith alone are missing missing some elements and all I'm saying is that if your healing is delayed it might be that it does need some helpers second Peter 1 and verse 7 he says oh that's first Peter second Peter like I said Start in verse 3. It says, according as his divine power, that is your born again power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So you're given all things through knowledge. Brother Hagen tells a testimony of his healing. And he was paralyzed. He had a heart illness from a baby. Y'all know he was born premature. They were put, put him in a shoebox to bury him. And his grandmother saw signs of life and got him out that shoebox and started to care for him. But he was always a sickly 
child. He had a weak heart. And he was dying of heart disease, but he stayed with his Bible because he wanted to be healed. Nobody, no preacher, nowhere understood anything about divine healing to help him. So he had to get it himself out of the word. And so he kept, he said he stayed, something grabbed his attention in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. And he told the Lord, he said, I believe. This word. I'm not doubting it Lord. I believe this word. And the Lord told him. You believe as far as you know. So you have to add to your faith. The first thing here is knowledge. So there's nothing wrong. The reason you're not healed. Or you can't get your healing yet. But you need to add to. Amen. So in, in verse, it says here, he's given us all things that to pertain to life and through godliness. And he says in verse 5, and besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith, number one, virtue. That means the strength to not quit. Virtue is the strength to endure. Virtuous people... Work out of a principle that if God said it, I'm going to stick with it no matter what. I'm going to keep believing God. So virtue is what takes you through the resistance. Amen. Virtuous people, that word virtue, it comes from the root word, the Latin root word, which means man. So it means that it's a strength that overcomes just as a man who guides the family, guides armies, and guides, is able to overcome. It steps you right up in front of the trouble, and you know that trouble's got to move out of the way. So virtue must be added to your faith. Now when virtue comes in, I tell you what, self-pity leaves. You won't be feeling sorry for yourself once virtue kicks in on your faith. Amen. I've seen some some very small, slight, older women scare the pants off of, you know, gang members and all kinds of people. I remember there was a woman that that they uh, I think Pat Robertson would have her had her come on his show once or something. But he talked about when he. He described the person and then he put the camera on her. I said, huh? You know, she's uh, she was a prison minister. She would minister on death row. And she said there was a man that that grunted like an animal was spit at her. And and she said, boy, God loves you and keep walking. And then one day he stopped her and told her, he said, you know, I used to be mad when you said that. He said, but little by little, I'm beginning to believe you. And she led him to the Lord before he was executed. I mean, virtue, it it will have you stare death in the face and laugh. Huh? Because it's an overcome. It's a very strong, forceful, overcoming spirit. Virtue says, don't give up. Virtue says you can't give up. Virtue says I'm not letting you give up. Amen. So that's what you need. You need that virtue. Huh? Self-pity says I gave up already. Amen. So God will, if you renounce that, God will substitute that for virtue. 
And you get that thing in you that says, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're just gonna keep going with this. I don't give up. What, huh?" <laughs> Add to your virtue knowledge. You have to get some understanding of of the scripture, knowing what God says that you are redeemed from the curse of sickness. Amen. Lillian Yeomans uh, was a, a uh, this was in the 19, early 1900s. I know she was, she was a Canadian physician. Her family had been doctors for generations. Grandparents, great-grandparents, her dad was a physician, her mom was. And uh, she and her sister were the only children in her generation. Well, she she was so pressured by being a doctor. You can see the pressure. All everybody in the family is, you gotta measure up, you're a girl, yada yada. And so she got strung out on narcotics. She would self-medicate. And she got so bad, she said somebody, a woman saw her on the street corner and said, she told her, she said, if you don't get some help, death is on you. That's just how bad she looked. And she said she, she heard somebody told her about divine healing. And and she had known the Lord as a kid, but not real deep, you know. And she went to a divine healing meeting, got saved, and was healed. And she made it, well, she had lost her medical license already anyway, but she never tried to get back to medicine. She decided to teach on divine healing. And she she and her sister still had some money, believe it or not, left by their parents and moved out to California and had a big home out there. And they lived in the home and they had about four healing rooms where they would take term- nothing but terminally ill people in those healing rooms. She said that and most of them were brought in on ambulance. Now, you know, come on, y'all. Most of us who believe God for healing, it's like I got set up in the chair faith, crutches faith, but I don't have 911, you know, what am I, 911 faith. <laughs> you don't have ambulance faith. But they did. And she put them on what she called the diet of the word. And there was a woman there that was brought in by ambulance, barely conscious, she put her in her in the bed and read the word of God to her for two hours. And she read Deuteronomy 28 that says all of these diseases are part of the curse. And she read Galatians 3.13 that said Christ hath redeemed you from the curse of the law. And she told that woman, she said, can you hear these scriptures? Yes. Repeat them. She repeated them. She said, you keep repeating that over and over and over again. Day one, she went back in, read to her for two two hours, and she was still repeating. Are you repeating that? Yes, I am. Don't quit. Keep doing it. So after the second night, she heard the scream upstairs. She was downstairs in the kitchen, heard a scream. And she heard somebody jumping around and shouting. And this lady bounces down the stairs. She says, I don't have that disease anymore. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law and I'm healed. You understand what I'm saying? Now, nobody can tell you how many confessions. Nobody. If you're a counter, if you're a confession counter, you're not using your faith. You're letting doubt and unbelief squeeze in there. Because faith doesn't care how long 
depend how many times you got to confess. It'll just do it. Faith says, let me add it and let me do it because I know it's there and I'm going to get it. Amen. So virtue and knowledge. You have to have the knowledge that Jesus healed everybody. That he's paid the price already. And legally, according to heaven, you can say you are healed. Amen. It's like that lady said. She said, I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness so I don't have blank disease anymore. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, and then add to your knowledge temperance. Amen. Which means you don't, you don't go emotional on yourself. Temperance gives you good self-control, godly self-control, Holy Ghost self-control. To your temperance, you add patience. So temperance keeps you from going to extremes. I'm going to quit. I ain't doing this no more. This don't work. You know what I'm saying? People, uh, temperance is a fruit of the spirit and it will keep you from going off the rails into extremes. Add to that patience. Faith doesn't wait. Patience does. See, faith is now. But temperance will keep your now in play all the time. Hmm? Your now can be any now. Huh? If it wasn't now today, tomorrow it'll be now. This evening it'll be now. But it's going to be now at some point. So your faith is the now understanding of your health and your healing. Your patience allows you to remain in faith until it gets strong enough to pull it in. Huh? Jesus talked about different degrees of faith. Great faith, little faith, no faith. Your degree of faith depends on what, how you respond to opposition. Great is your faith. The woman with the issue of blood. How many obstacles does she have to go through? Huh? 18 years and then broke. Desperate. Not understanding if there was hope for her. Then one day she hears and the hope revives again. I mean, go figure. When that hope revives, then she's got to go out in public, which is forbidden under the law. Then she got to touch a holy man, another forbidden thing. So, but something is holding something in her. She keeps saying within herself, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him. And then some say, stupid, you can't do that. That's against the law. That's a holy man. You don't touch him, you're unclean. No, if I can just touch him. No. (laughs) It's like a bad uh, movie. He's my sister, my brother, my sister. Huh? But you get slapped around by your thoughts. Huh? Huh? So the voice that said, go touch him, went out. 
See, it's not over until the voice of God wins out. Amen? That's when it's over, when you get your victory. Just let the voice of God win out over all those voices. Patience says I won't quit. It's got to happen. Godliness means that you you might be tempted to get angry or frustrated, but you don't give vent to it. To know, God, you're a good God. I'm not going to turn against you. Amen. I don't care who says what to whom. Now, it's funny. You can be around people and nobody can ever tell you how to get healed, but they can tell you how not to be healed. That don't work. Now, listen. I've been around them people before. Uh, Them shouting and hooping and hollering people, they don't do nothing. They just, you know, hoop and holler, you know. Depends on what God tells you is going to happen. Amen. Brotherly kindness. Amen. That, that, that's so that you can respond to the compassion of God. If you keep yourself in a zone, you know, everybody always gets real nice when they need something. And that's just normal. Amen. I don't hate nobody. You know what I'm saying? I need thee. Oh, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't hate nobody. And it's good to live like that. But especially when you need something from God. You know, you keep short accounts. God, I'm, I'm not going to strive with anybody. I love everybody. I forgive everybody. I'm just, you know. And charity. Why? Love never fails. Amen. So here you have these four men, each carrying some degree of these seven helpers of your faith. They all agree that faith without works is dead. We got to get to the meeting. Now, there were some people that they got to the meeting and Jesus told them, I don't need to come with you. Mm -hmm. see the the uh the man with the sick servant or sick son his son was sick he started that see revelation gets started by people who receive you got me so he started spreading the rumor that jesus word could heal people Because there were people that Jesus went to later who had that level of faith working in them. Remember the the man that came and and his, let me think it was a daughter. The one we did last time, his son began to amend from that hour. Remember he was over in, in Cana and he had to go back. Jesus had to go home with him. And Jesus said, no. You just go home, your son is alive. And so words start to spread that Jesus can either come with you, he can touch you there, or he can give you a word of knowledge. William Branham made a whole ministry off of that. Catherine Kuhlman too, off the word, the gift of the word of knowledge.
you know, Branham oftentimes would describe people where they lived. God allowed him to do that. Now I don't want to get any trouble with this. But if your faith, like I can tell anybody that, that they're healed. But there is something in you that's going to ignite your faith in a special way if you get confidence that only God could tell me that about you. So that's how William Branham used it. He used it as a, you know, like if you come up there and, and you're scared and you don't know if you, and I start to reveal things to you from your heart that only God could know, that wall breaks down. That wall of resistance, that wall of carnal thinking, that wall that keeps your spirit locked up in your natural man, it takes it out of the way. And then he can say, and, and God's healed you, got so and so in your body, and God's healing you right now. And they receive their healing. Don't get that confused. With the guy who can tell you your name, address, and that's it. There's got to be God purpose. Because that stuff's easily counterfeited. You understand what I'm saying? You know your address, don't you, Pastor Shirley? We all know where we live. Now, if you had amnesia or something, and you understand what I'm saying? Just stay mellow. Let God guide you, but make sure there's godly purpose for something that seems to come to you. Because there's all kind of people out here that can know things. But you got to know that there's a God purpose for that. Amen. Catherine Kuhlman's would work just by interpreting the atmosphere. And she would sense that God was moving here and God would tell her what diseases he was healing just so people could have faith to receive what they were trying to get from God. You understand what I'm saying? And so there's a purpose for the gifts of the spirit in aiding healing in the atmosphere. Amen. So make sure you understand there's a reason for different things. Amen. Whatever you lack in staying power, you will have added to your faith. God wants you well. Don't ever think, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I don't know what it is. And that's the re- that's not right, folks. I know your mind will go there sometimes, but that's wrong thinking. Because Jesus is the author and the completer of your faith. It's up to him. To help you to get to where your healing is. Amen. It's up to him. We said the kingdom suffers violence or allows violence. And the violent take it by force. So this is forceful taking of this young man's health back. When they find out there's all this these people at the door. They get the idea because they came there for healing 
And we said that your faith needs help. So the help to the faith kicks in and begins to determine that if we can't get in there where Jesus is, how did they know how God was going to help heal them? Just like you, they don't. You don't know the day, you don't know the time, you don't know how, you don't know any of that stuff. That's why faith needs helpers because anybody could see the door jammed and turn around and go home. The meeting's packed out now. We're over the fire marshal's limit. Remember the fire marshal limits? Who's that? Somebody went and got in anyway. I think Trudy did. Remember, we went to Benny Hinn and they said, the fire marshal said we can't take no more people. Well, this, this I'm an intercessor for Benny Hinn's ministry. Said, oh, come right in. <laughs> and we did pray for him, but who would have thought to use that? So the fire marshal's a liar. You can get some more people. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, faith that won't quit. Well, tell the fire marshal it ain't time. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you have to have that kind of faith determination. You have to have that that, that won't take no for an answer. Because the devil's been telling us no all our lives. And when you come to Christ, you come to the eternal yes. Amen. It's eternally yes. It's always yes. Always yes. So the man got to the meeting, the obstacles of people resisting his decision to come there. Amen. Many times people you might talk to. You say you're believing God for something. You know, and it's never wrong to tell people that. I always look at it this way. If you tell the wrong person and they try to discourage you, your faith just gets stronger for holding on against that. Huh? You'll find all kinds of people you thought were powerful in God will tell you, well, you know, I used to believe like that. And I said, uh-oh, <laughs> got to go. You understand what I'm saying? See you later, huh? They'll always, I'm, it was like this when I first, and see, the thing of it is, when I first got around Christians, I realized why God healed me before I even knew anything about where to go to church. So the devil couldn't take it away from me once I got in there, you see? No, you can't tell me that because I done got healed already by God. Now, you can't tell me he won't do it because I know he will. I probably didn't know how to instruct them how to get theirs, but I knew God would. And that's all you need to know to hold on to get to where that healing is going to manifest. But you're going to have to fight this kind of stuff. You're going to have to fight that in your own thinking. Maybe my case is different and God won't do it for me. That's a, a common thing the enemy tries to force us. Amen. People, I heard about them faith people. Well, what did you hear? 
I'm just saying. I hope you heard they, they can help you. Huh? Cause I'm going. Or they'll tell you they tried that and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. All of those are people at the door to prevent you from entering into where Jesus is. Huh? Now Jesus could have healed him outside the door. He's healed people from a distance. Huh? Why does he want this young man? He, why, why does he want to see him? Huh? Why does he want to see this young man? Why does he want to see you? Huh? There's something about God's mercy and his compassion. It's like the dist- the difference between getting a letter from somebody and talking to them one-on-one. Huh? In a letter, you, you have an idea how they feel. You have an idea who they are. You have an idea. But when you get one-on-one, you're able to share. You can question them. You can get a feel for how they really feel. You can get all your doubt. It's much better one-on-one than it is. So many times we'll take somebody's step and formula method to receive from God and we forget God's a person. Sometimes he just won't talk to you, see you, check in with you. You check in with him, huh? Just don't take my healing and run. Let's talk about this. Where you been? What you been doing? Huh? How'd you get in this mess? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You you'll you'll do better getting the mercy touch of God than you will taking a piece of paper and just reading off some scriptures. I mean, even though that will work to build your faith. But at some point you need that personal touch from God. So we said the kingdom allows violence. And the violent take it by force. You may have to overcome severe barriers just as this man did to receive what God has for you. You're not really breaking into God's kingdom. You are breaking out of the natural realm. The kingdom's within you. When you start to move toward God for your healing, you are shedding the remnants of your former life. You're shedding your fear. You're shedding your unbelief. You're shedding your doubt. You're shedding all of those things and you're breaking out into God's kingdom. When one doorway is blocked... You need to know there's another way. Sometimes the way God healed you the last time, he's not going to use it this time. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Huh? Because that means you're going to come into greater knowledge, greater revelation, greater understanding. Many times, you know, those hindrances... 
have a way of making you feel insignificant to God. Remember the man who says, uh, you know, I know you're able, but are you willing? That are you willing points to us not being worthy of receiving. And so many times, you know, that unworthiness puts a barrier in a block. Amen. And so in, in this chapter, let me see where it is. What is it, Luke? I had lost my page. Luke, was it Luke 7? Like I said, Luke 5. I knew that, Luke 5. All right, this is where my ribbon is. Okay. And it says in verse 18, Behold, men brought in a man which was taken with a palsy, And they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. And when they could not find any way that they might bring him in, because of the multitude, multitude of thoughts in your head, multitude of criticisms, multitude of things that people say to you that don't line up with the word. They, instead of quitting, see, what the devil's trying to do with all this multitude of negativity is to talk you out of your faith. But the fact that his faith had stuff added to it. See, this is what you do. Devil, you thought you had me, but you've been beating up on me. And since you started, guess who's with me now? I got virtue, I got knowledge, I got temperance, I got patience. All my big boys going to carry me in now. Huh? Huh? My posse don't go away empty-handed. We go get the goods. When we want something, we go in and take it. Amen? We take it back from the devil. We take it by force. Yeah, you was beating up on me, making me cry, and got me feeling sorry for myself, about to give up. But guess who's with me now? Huh? That's what you get for beating up on a child of God. You get the next time you see him, he got more with him. Huh? He ain't crying and caring on. <laughs> I remember them days being depressed and feeling sorry for myself. Jesus shook me up, turned me upside down. Uh So when he sees all this resistance, instead of giving up, verse 19, when they could not find by the way that they might bring him in because of the multitude, They went on the housetop. See, that's your breakthrough idea. You've been trying and trying and trying to get it this way. You know, am I confessing enough? Am I worshiping enough? Am I doing it? And then one day a God idea comes to you. That's your break up the tiles on the rooftop. Amen. There's always one more method 
There's always one more scripture. There's always one more, one more to go. There's always one more level of faith. There's always one more. God's never out of ideas. God's never out of remedies. He's never out of that tearing up the tiles represents God's mercy. Mercy and goodness follow you all the days of your life. Mercy brought him there and mercy has been following him all around that house the whole time he's been looking for his healing. Remember the man that had to go back and walk a whole day with his faith, carrying his faith for his son to be healed? It gets heavier and heavier with each step. Every time time goes by, it's like your feet get more lead on them trying to believe God. And then when God saw he was at the breaking point, what happened? People from his house came and met him on the way there. And you say, your son's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Huh? You can't fail at this. Are you kidding me? Now that you can take to the bank, cash the check, and spend the money. Amen? <laughs> Removing the tiles is the last step in your healing. Mercy gave him them that idea. A mercy won't come to you and say, well, just be careful because you might disturb something. Mercy actually will pay the bill. (laughs) Huh? If mercy tells you to do something, it's all taken care of. You don't worry about how it's going to look. That's what Pharisees do. Religious are always worried about what it look like. Huh? So your last stop in your healing, mercy gives you the faith to go that way sometimes we get in the word confessing it's not happening you say you're going to quit but then you go right back to believing God some more that's mercy mercy carried you you dropped him he didn't drop you Mm-hmm. Us got tired. Huh? Well, you drop mercy. You should let him carry you anyway. Huh? Huh? What you doing bearing the load? All you got to do is do what, just be cool. Do what God tells you to do. And allow his mercy to minister faith, healing, comfort. Whatever it is that you need, God in his mercy will do that. He's a no-fail God. Well, I know some people believed and they died. They probably wanted to or listened to you. You don't worry. We're not serving the God of the dead. We serve the God of the living. What you worried about who died for? Our cemetery is full of dead people. But you can trust this God. 
You can trust him because he's already proven his love to you. He died for you already. Huh? You've got nothing to lose by putting your faith in God, but you have everything to gain. Amen. Miss Wanda, why don't you put on some worship music and we'll, I'll pray for people. If you need a healing touch from God, if you just want to receive the anointing, that's fine. But if you came here to be healed, now is the time to come up and I will pray for you and minister to you. Let God work. Amen. This could you, this could be your breaking up the tile moment. Amen. Fact it is. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.